Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Dog College Podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today I got an awesome episode to share with you. I just had a conversation with a man named Mike Spader. Mike, he's a college dropout like me, but he got straight into business. Uh, I first heard of him on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Aubrey Marcus is the CEO and founder of onit.com, the uh, total human optimization company. And Mike worked with Onnit from when they were just a few employees, helped build the site originally, became the chief marketing officer and, and helped build them to you know where they're at now as one of the most dominant brands in the fitness industry. We talked about his early beginnings, his time at Onnit, and now uh, his uh, new company, Heart of the Sun. And I learned a lot of really awesome things about marketing, branding, social media use, and some of Mike's favorite books. I think this was a really interesting episode. I learned a lot, and I'm sure you will too. So without further delay, please enjoy this episode with Mike Spader. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks, man. Appreciate you inviting me on. Absolutely. Well, you know, I first heard you on the Aubrey Marcus podcast and, you know, I found it very interesting and, and you know, I love sort of the, the work that you've been a part of. So I wanted to invite you on and, and learn more about it. So, uh, I mean, to begin, you have a background in marketing. Where, where did that come from originally? And could you tell the audience a little bit about you know, maybe just a little bit more about your personal background as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, I am, I guess I've been doing some version of marketing for probably, man, so I'm 35 now. So, uh, maybe 20 years, I guess. Um, you know, I would say at the beginning of kind of the early days of the, the commercial internet, I was doing uh, web design stuff, you know, really just simple you know, building websites for people. Um, and then maybe even before that, I would say I was doing some video editing, some really old school video editing, which kind of became nothing, but dovetailed nicely into some graphic design and web design. Um, and then at that point, it wasn't really a profession yet. I mean, I, certainly people were making money, but it wasn't something you'd go to school for or, you know, your parents didn't understand that it was a, a career opportunity or anything like that. Certainly not. Um, and I was in college and all of the, um, you know, programs that were there were really boring to me. I didn't really, it didn't resonate at all. I wasn't really a good student in college. And then I started making money doing this internet, you know, marketing stuff. And so I was just kind of like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to go um, start making some money somewhere else where I'm already getting paid. And, uh, you know, it was right time right place, right? Like everybody's just starting to start selling things online. I remember when we first started, people were really, really questionable about giving their credit card information over the internet. You know, that was a huge deal. Um, and, you know, it just kind of started growing from there. And then, 
at that point, I'd say probably 99-ish, 2000-ish, everybody who was sort of doing something with the internet was like described to somebody as like, oh, I got a, I got a guy. I know a person who does this internet thing. And so I was working, I was working at a, um, a skate snowboard shop out there in Southern California called Active Ride Shop. And they're still around. Um, but at the time I was working in the store selling, you know, skateboards and snowboards and stuff, and then doing graphic design and things on the side. And they were getting started building their website business. And it was same deal. It was like, Oh, I know a guy who works at one of the stores who's decent at this internet thing. You should talk to him. And so the guy who was running the internet, um, e-commerce store for, for active, I met with him and he asked me all kinds of questions that I didn't know the answers to, but just pretended like I did. And, you know, he had asked me if I knew anything about SEO and I told him no problem. I do everything that there, there has to do with SEO. And then he hired me. And then I remember like the most unironic thing ever. I had to Google SEO the first <laughs> day, right? So I had to learn what search engine optimization was by searching for it. Um, on my first day on the job. Uh, and then, you know, it just kind of figured it out from there. I don't, I don't ever recommend the fake it till you make it. However, that's exactly how I got started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so anyway, long, long story there just to get started. But then I did some version of online marketing from probably 2002, um, until I moved here in 2009 and then was, you know, kind of bouncing around, went back to LA 2010, 2011 ish, uh, and started working for a web hosting company. And then, um, Aubrey Marcus, who's the CEO of, of Onnit, called me in 2012 and was like, Hey, um, remember that thing? I'm oh, sorry. It's a little back up. I helped him kind of design Onnit.com in the first place and left. Austin moved back to LA and then he called me and said, Hey, remember that company on it.com? We're doing really well. And I need you to come back and help me. And so I was at the time I was living in the beach, um, in Huntington or not Huntington, uh, sorry, Hermosa beach and, um, really sweet spot. Me and my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. We were like two blocks from the water, really, really sweet flat pad, like overlooking the ocean. He's like, come back and work in Austin. I was like, no chance. I'm good. Um, <laughs> And, you know, at the time on it was just starting to catch fire. Um, he could see it like coming over the horizon. And I was like, I'm not really sure about this like supplement thing. And um, I'm good. You know, I'm on the beach. Things are good. And so anyway, six months after that, he called me and he was like, all right, things are going really well. I really need you to come back. And so I, you know, talked to a couple friends and talked to a couple like mentors about what do you think about this thing? Should I move back? And I got some really, really good advice. And the advice was make him an offer you can't refuse. And so I was like, okay, that makes sense. You know, and I basically, you make a, you make a list and you say, here's all the things that I want in order for me to do this thing. That's as, you know, scary and move my whole family and my whole life and, you know, everything out and just take a risk on this product and this company that's just, you know, on a rocket ship, but could be, you know, going back down to earth pretty quickly here. Um, so I made my list of demands and he was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so I was like, shit, all right, I gotta go. Did you um, say so yes? Yeah, so, uh, honestly, no. I mean, I thought, I, I thought I was asking for too much. Um, and that he would kind of negotiate down a little bit and we'd come to some sort of agreement in between. 
but he just said, yeah, cool. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what happened next? Yeah. So then, uh, me and my girlfriend, we, you know, sold everything that we could put the rest of it in a storage container, moved to Austin. Luckily her mom, um, lived here. And so, you know, I moved in with her for the first few we found a place to live and then shortly after bought a place and then started working on it. And then, you know, the next four and a half, almost five years, uh, was an insane rocket ship that, um, we were super, super, um, grateful to be a part of and, and very, you know, fortunate to be on, on a, on a team that had some really strong success. That's awesome. I love that story. Um, if you don't mind, I'd love to take it back to when you were in college, you mentioned that the courses you were taking there, they weren't really, were you taking marketing courses? Man, I never even got past my GE. Um, and okay. that's, and that's all, all uh, like, honestly, what the problem was. So I had just got out of high school, you know, all I wanted to do was get out of high school. I thought, I thought I was having a great time, but I thought it was such a waste of time. Um, you know, I liked hanging out and I was getting great grades. It wasn't, it wasn't really challenging, but I just couldn't wait to stop having rules. You know, I just wanted to get out of, somebody else's system of whatever the hell that was and get into like what I knew that I could start doing. And, um, I applied to one college, you know, I just, it went to Cal state Fullerton because a couple of my friends went there. I think my girlfriend at the time was going there and I was like, cool, let's go there. Um, so me and my best friend went there and you know, it's, if you guys are familiar with Southern California at all, it's, it's one exit away from Disneyland. So I got, uh, me and my best friend got Disneyland season passes and we would just go to Disneyland every day. <laughs> we would go, we would go, um, you know, we'd be sitting in school in college and it'd be lunchtime and we would just leave and go to Disneyland and eat lunch, like at the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and then, That's awesome. And then, and then go back to school for an hour or whatever. But it was just, it was to me at the time, it was the worst possible thing for me. Um, none of it, none of it, seemed relevant to what I wanted to do. And I'm not mm -hmm. at all bashing school, like, like college, higher education is fantastic. I was an asshole and it really just did not work for me at that time. I, all I wanted to do was do the things I wanted to do, get paid, you know, hang out with friends, party, have a great time. And school was just in the way, you know, and there was yeah. nothing, nothing really challenging to me at school. Nothing was really stimulating to me. And, um, you know, like I said, nothing, there was no, there was no program or degree or even a glimmer of anything around the internet, um, you know, as far as a program. So it was, it was like, I'm already getting paid doing this. Why, why am I going to get some degree in communication or, or generalized marketing or something like that? Um, yeah. Did, did you get, or what kind of feedback did you get from either, you know, your friends that were still in school, maybe your, you know, parents or, or, you know, people around you, what kind of feedback did you get about dropping out of school? Um, there wasn't like a, there wasn't like a, you know, bunch of people telling me one way or the other. Um, for as many friends that I had that were in school that were doing well, I had probably twice as many that were dropping out. Um, my parents were disappointed. They wanted me to keep going. Um, but at, you know, at that point, when I'm 19, 20 years old, uh, and nobody was telling me what to do. I was just a dad. Like I wasn't listening to anybody, <laughs> you know? Um, ironically though, like years later, I, I, I actually like 
really seriously considered going back to school after I was already working it on it, you know, because really? I was getting, yeah, yeah. And it, cause it's always something that I've looked back on as not so much like something that I needed or wanted from the standpoint of um, education as much as it was just an accomplishment that I didn't finish, you know? So it always felt like, it always felt like, well, man, I'm, I wish I could go back and, you know, prove it to myself that I could have finished. You know, I know I could have, because I really do think that maybe 80% of, of, of education is, or higher education like that is maybe just being able to show that you're able to stick to something and finish it. And that's always kind of bugged me. You know, there was definitely some moments where you were a little stimulated or like, that's interesting. I might be able to double click on that and learn a few more things. Um, but for me, it always just felt like, you know, a little bit of a, a an embarrassment that I left without finishing or, you know, and it's a lot different today. I think if you say I didn't finish college or I didn't go to college, I think it's less important, certainly on every job application I've ever had for any kind of internet or marketing position. It's never even come up. Um, and I think that today it's, it's so much less about the piece of paper than it was. Um, but at the time, yeah, it was, it was kind of a big deal, right? Like, Oh, well, you're not finishing college. Your options are limited. Did you feel that way at all when you chose to drop out? Were you concerned about that? Or did you feel like you're already making money with this whole internet thing? I'm just going to keep riding this and see where it goes. I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely part of the plan that I could, I could do whatever I needed to do without the degree. Um, but it was always, it was always going to be something that hung over my head, you know, and I was like, I was accepting that. And I knew that I would just have to work harder and do better in whatever I whatever I was a part of to kind of overcome that, I guess. Got it. Okay. Well, I mean, I like that attitude, you know, sort of using it as like a fire under your ass to like, mm -hmm. you know, propel you forward. And it's kind of interesting. I, I did a very similar thing, like only one year of general education. It's like, I can't, I can't wait any longer. I got to get out into the real world here and just start right. money, start working. Um, but that's cool, man. Especially like when you did that, like I, I can imagine even back then it was probably more of a big deal to get your degree and people were probably, you know, even today, people are, are I hear all the time, uh, you know, they're considering dropping out or they want to drop out or and they just get a ton of pressure from everybody around them to stay in and just finish it. And, um, but, you know, they're eager to get started. What, what do you think about the idea of a uh, gap year? Would you recommend that for, uh, you know, like, let's say you had a kid that was college age right now. Would you recommend they take a gap year? Honestly, if I would have taken a gap year, um, I probably would have stuck with college. I think it was, I think it was probably my biggest reason for dropping out. Um, I, you know, looking back on it, I think, I think that desire to just get the hell out and start doing my thing. I, I always felt like I was just an older person than I was. And I just couldn't wait to start doing, you know, the adult thing and um, going straight from high school into college. And, and, it, and I also think not going somewhere that was, uh, outside of my like comfort zone hurt me too. Like Fullerton was a 15 minute drive, you know, from where I grew up. So it was, you know, the bars that we went to, the people's houses that we went to, um, friends and frat parties and all that, all that shit was, you know, I would just go home at the end of the night. So it was like, it was never like this full college experience. It was just another place, you know, in a, in, in a little bit further South than where I used to hang out with my friends. So it never like felt real. It never felt like it was a, uh, 
you know, the experience that a lot of people talk about their college experience. It just never felt like that. Um, and I think if I would have taken a year off, maybe two, maybe even three, who knows, then I would have kind of gotten a few things out of my system and then wanted to go back and focus. But at the same time, you know, I started working immediately. So it wasn't, uh, if I wouldn't have done that, who knows what path I'd be on. Got it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and with the skill set that you sort of started out with just being, you know, sort of savvy with the internet, how did you develop that skill set, you know, without structure, without guidance? How did you sort of self-educate yourself in that field? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, there certainly, certainly was resources on great, not to the degree that it is today. Like if you want to, if you want to build a house today and you have zero experience, you can pretty much Google the entire thing. You know, a friend of mine actually did that and built a house, a back house in his backyard. Um, I mean, I'm talking like electrical, plumbing, the whole thing. Like you can, you can learn what you need to learn on the internet. At the time, not so much, you know, and especially with learning about the internet on the internet. There's definitely some stuff out there, but it's difficult to find and track down like how this stuff works. Um, and it was expanding and, you know, sort of coming into its own so quickly that there was no information, you know, so a lot of it was just start getting to work on stuff and you were part of what was developing in the first place. Like I remember um, developing a blog strategy when like there wasn't really a blog strategy. It was just like, look, if we make a bunch of stories about sort of related to skateboarding and kids can come here and read this stuff and have a place to watch videos, eventually those kids are going to start telling their parents to buy skateboards from us. You know, and that wasn't like, that wasn't like you read about that in a book. It was like, what do you guys think? I don't know. Let's try it. You know? Mm -hmm. And then really early in like, I don't know, like Oh seven, I guess like, Oh, Hey, you guys should check out this company Zappos. They're doing like some really cool things over here. And one of their, um, you know, one of their things that they're doing at their cultures, they've all adopted this, this platform called Twitter. Like, let's check that out. You know? So starting to see how that was playing into, to the whole thing. I remember building MySpace pages for, for active, you know, like that was, that was our social media marketing um, before brands were really doing things like that. Uh, you know, so being just a part of that industry as it was developing was the education. That was, that was how you learn as long as you were switched on. And I guess a lot of it has to do with being young and kind of um, having a bit of a motor and being, having the desire to be connected and kind of wanting to learn what the latest is and, you know, having that energy to keep up with that stuff. That certainly helps a lot too. Have you carried those, uh, those sort of characteristics with you into your current business? Yeah, definitely. Um, for the, you know, the one, the one that's, you start to feel a little old on is when you're not the one of the first ones to the party you know, and you can hear about something not from, you know, a forum somewhere, or not from like a, a subreddit somewhere, but you hear about it from somebody who's already like been successful at a thing or a tactic that started to develop without you. That That's a tough pill to swallow for sure, because I think that's just literally um, a symptom of just getting older and losing a little bit of uh, uh, energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I do stay up to date with everything that I can and I still have a really strong desire to uh, learn what the next thing could be. 
not necessarily what the next thing is, but try and stay ahead of it as much as possible. Um, you know, with tech in general, I think, I think a lot of us were those weird kind of generation where you, uh, were the, uh, Apple kind of, um, fanboys, And then, you know, that whole tech thing that, that sprouted out of the early two thousands, um, certainly staying up with, with some of those tech blogs and things like that. And, and, you know, marketing blogs and advertising stuff like that. Yeah. yeah I try and, I try and do everything I can to, to stay a thought leader. Awesome. Well, I'm curious about your, your time at on it. When you first joined the company, what stage were they at versus what stage were they at when you, when you ended up leaving there? Uh, let's see. I mean, I won't be able to tell numbers. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be cool. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> when I started, I believe I was probably employee like 11 or something. Um, unless you count, you know, designing the site, <laughs> then I might've been employee three. Um, <laughs> but when I fully, when I fully moved back in 2012, um, I think there was maybe 10 or 12 of us total and a few warehouse guys, you know, really small office out here in, in East Austin. And at that time it was pretty much alpha brain and hemp force were the two products that we were selling. Um, and, you know, Joe Rogan was a giant part of, of our marketing uh, efforts. His podcast was taking off. He was, you know, really involved in the product development for Alpha Brain. So he was really excited about the product. He was talking about it on every episode. And so as, as his podcast was taking off, so was the company sort of in lockstep. But also perfect timing with, um, you know, I, I guess the general population kind of waking up to a little bit more health conscious, um, a little bit more like alternative um, exercise methods, a little bit alternative uh, nutrition, um, you know, whole foods kind of blowing up with, with natural eating and just people kind of changing their diets a bit. It all kind of worked together. And so at the time it was pretty much those two products. We still had new mood and shroom tech sport. And that was, and that was pretty much the company. Um, and then right after I started, we launched T plus, which was like the, the pre-workout. Um, and then we launched the primal bells, which were, you know, huge for us. The, um, uh, the kettlebells that were shaped like, you know, different monkeys. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, that strategy was really key to the development of the company because one of the things early, early in the company was, that we were trying to, to overcome was uh, supplements in general in the health industry have kind of a negative connotation. There's so much of it out there that's just junk, you know, and so much of it out there that even will say on the label what it is and it's, and it's BS. What's actually in the product is nowhere near what they're claiming. So there's, there's really a stigma to supplements or especially at the time. Yeah. They're not it's, FDA tested or approved or anything like that. So there's always sort of a, you don't know how effective they'll be. That's right. I mean, it's essentially unregulated. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of bad companies out there that put stuff out there, um, making completely false claims and knowing full well that they'll eventually get caught, but they don't give a shit because they're going to make tons of money until they get caught. And then the, the penalty will be stop selling this. Okay. So we'll go change labels. 
make a and be right back up and running in a day. You know, so there's a lot of that in the industry and a lot of, a lot of smart people know that that's kind of BS. So one of the, you know, conscious efforts that we had was, all right, well, we love our products. We know that they're good. We know we're doing our best effort to really like study and uh, test everything that goes into our products to make sure that it's, you know, the best that it possibly can be. It's a difficult message to get across. Eventually it'll start to resonate with people. And, you know, we were doing everything we could between independent research studies and, you know, doctor tested trials and everything we could do to, to over that. Then ultimately we are like, well, let's start to think about things that you can't be skeptical about. You know, let's start to figure out ways that we can increase our brand, um, you know, presence in different ways that are sort of complementary to health and fitness. And so that's where we started branching out to more like foods and, and ultimately uh, fitness equipment. So you can't argue with the effectiveness of a kettlebell. You just can't. If you lift heavy weights, your muscle will build. Like it's, it's just two plus two, right? Mm-hmm. If you eat healthy foods and exercise, now you're twice as good. If you eat healthy foods, exercise, and supplement with some of the best stuff on earth, well, now you got it all figured out, right? And so that's how we like came up with to- total human optimization in the first place. And then once we kind of came up with that, up with that asking? man, I thought I did. I honestly don't remember. It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, like I remembered in my head a certain way, but I, I, I have no clue if it played out that way. I know that I, my, my brain lies to me sometimes. I remember history different than it was. Yeah. But I, I remember like a really just uh, almost a throw conversation between me, Aubrey, um, our creative director at the time, Eddie, and then maybe our, our um, CTO, Josh, where it just went back and forth. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? How about this? How about total human optimization? And then someone said, that's fucking terrible. And then someone said, nah, I like it. And that was it. <laughs> but I think I think that's how it generally went down. I'm not sure exactly who came up with it or if it was someone who, you know, took somebody else's idea and, and ironed it out. But that ended up being it. And then once we kind of had that as our banner, you know, then it was like, well, now everything that we do, as long as it's about being optimized, like the best version of yourself, we can sell it. It's great. You know, like what about this um jump rope? Yeah. You need cardio. Great. What about um you know, MCT oil. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's it's good for revving up your brain and it's good to satiate you in the morning. Cool. You know, what about coffee? Well, there's a lot of shitty coffee up there, so we could sell some really good coffee. You know, so it was all about just just creating everything that could make you better. See, I love that. I I really think on it, like you nailed it. You guys nailed it with uh with the branding and for when it started to take off. Uh, you know, it's it's such a perfect fit. Now you look out there and it's it's gotta be one of the most powerful brands in that space yeah thanks we got uh we got really lucky you know we had a we had a great team um really energetic eager bunch of people um that came together with aubrey and with rogan and right like i said right place right time right group of people and you know lightning in a bottle for sure how would you say the because the products you're selling are, are you know gearing people towards a certain lifestyle how do you say that that influenced maybe the culture at the company itself? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, you know, I went into there, I went into that company with a vague idea of company culture and it's, you know, effects and even just the concept of company culture. 
And when I left, it was, um, you know, I, I'd say I have a doctorate at this point in, in company culture only because, you know, myself, I probably, shit, I probably lost 15 pounds working there, you know, got better at every exercise. Um, we, we put a gym obviously in the, in the office. So that helps having it 10 feet away from your office. Um, you know, learned a lot about health and fitness, learned a lot about the importance of taking care of yourself. I quit smoking. I was a pack a day smoker when I started working there. Um, yeah. And then also, you know, a lot of, a lot of the culture of design and a lot of culture of branding and, and like how powerful, you know, the tribe, um, mentality can be when you can get a lot of people rallied around a single, um, idea. And then if, you know, if you time, like that's, that's not anything new that's been going on for thousands of years. Um, but even, you know, in my roots, like in surf and skate culture in Southern California, that happens all the time. People are super, super brand loyal to very, you know, specific companies like, you know, back in the day, Quicksilver or Billabong. And then, you know, company we're working with now, Ruka, um, you know, people identify with those brands because it's, they see themselves as a reflection of, of what that company represents. But with Onnit, you know, we kind of turn that up to the max and then it really, really resonates with people because if they can tie their own personal, like, journey to that, right? So people that are losing weight, feeling better about themselves, getting stronger, um, being more active, and it's all tied to a brand. Well, now it's like it's hitting on a lot of different emotional levels. And and that's, I think, ultimately what led to kind of the, um, you know, uh, ferociousness of, of, of how much people love that brand. Yeah, I could imagine, you know, if it changes your life, you're going to have a ton mm-hmm. of loyalty to it compared to, you know, maybe a brand like McDonald's that might <laughs> help you out so much. Right, right. So, so you mentioned, so you have a PhD in, in company culture, you, <laughs> uh, left on it at some point, you started your own company now, Hard yep. Fun. How did you, what, what did you learn at Onnit that you took to your new company? Everything, everything I know I learned there. Um, you know, it was, it was the best opportunity I ever had to kind of do things because, you know, similar, I'm just kind of realizing this live, but similar to what I was saying about wanting to get out of high school, wanting to get into the world and start doing my thing. I always had that same feeling as, as a professional that I couldn't wait to get out and do my thing. You know, I'm always working for somebody else, always living by somebody else's kind of guidelines. And working under somebody you feel like if I could only do it my way it would be a little bit better you know and on it was the first time where I had kind of a lot of a lot of leeway and a lot of freedom to do things the way I wanted them to be done um and in combination with a bunch of really really talented people who also had really strong ideas for the way things you know should be done and um that combination of a lot of like similar thinkers and a lot of similar motivations all kind of came together um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that was, that was a special, special group of people. And then, you know, all the things that we learned there on the job as we were figuring it out, then it was just a natural way to carry it through to, to the next thing, which is now, you know, I've always worked for brands. I've always worked for individual companies doing a, a thing. And now, uh, it was always attractive to me to work in like the advertising world or the marketing 
agency world because you always have these different challenges. You know, and it's really fun for me to be able to say, well, what I learned over here, can I apply it to this brand? And what I learned, you know, from this experience or this individual project with this individual tactic, how could that apply to this other thing? Or how does it absolutely not apply to this thing? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that, that was always kind of a um, goal of mine was to be able to, like I said, have the full freedom to do what, I, what I'd like to do in the marketing department and then ultimately now have the full freedom uh, to do what I want to do with, with my own company. That's awesome. So what is it that, what, what's sort of like the, the mission of Heart of the Sun? What, what are you mostly aim to do with your clients? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tricky to say because I think the selfish thing is I want to keep doing cool stuff. Um, that's the, that's the easy selfish thing. Like that's what gets me up in the morning. Um, you know, the more like by the book answer is, uh, we do full service marketing and full service is kind of a, a placeholder for what's your specialty. I, all of it, I suppose. And that's like, why is that? Why is all of it your specialty? Cause I kind of want to do all of it still, you know, I like being a part of all of the things we've got dozens and dozens of agencies that specialize in each individual part. So we've got places that are, you know, social media specialists, video specialists, PPC specialists, ad specialists, branding specialists, design specialists, website specialists. Um, I find that my best uh, and highest use is, is sort of managing all of that and trying to make it all work together in unison. That's where I, I, I see the best results. You know, we can certainly take on projects that are individual of all of those things. Um, and we do, we have several clients that we're only managing pieces of, um, but when we get a chance to do sort of the whole picture, that's when things really do well. Got it. So I, I'd love to dive into those different components and see sort of what some of your thoughts are as far as best practices and what, what makes for, you know, effect, like for instance, branding, I think is something that a lot of people struggle with, or at least, the yeah, the word itself carries a lot of baggage with it. Sure. Yeah probably don't know how to you know actually build a brand or uh create a strong brand that actually resonates with people what what kind of what do you look for when you're building a brand what kind of characteristics do you think stand out make it memorable uh, and make it a part of people's lives yeah well first i'll say that you know anything that uh, any kind of advice or any kind of uh i'll give for things like this please don't think that it's any kind of uh, rule book or, or this is the way it has to go because the older I get, the more experienced I get, the more I understand that, you know, all of it is completely unique to the individual, to the brand, to the scenario, to the situation. What I say works over here may not work anywhere else, you know? So that's, that's kind of rule number one <laughs> is, is sure. everything's going to work a little differently. Um, but, you know, for the most part, uh, in my experience, what makes up a, a brand and what makes a brand kind of stand out is having something that you, you know, you, you got to point your um, ship in, in, the, in a direction and then keep, keep the, the boat on course, you know, and keep um, whatever that message is going to be, keep screaming it at the top of your lungs, stick to it. Um, lots of brands, I think, test the waters a little bit out there and then maybe try something else, maybe something else and, one of the things is, you know, it's just kind of the rule book, but uh, you got to hit people over the head with something multiple times for it to even um, 
resonate, right? There's just so much noise out there and there's so much opportunity to get lost in it between advertising and just the stimuli that you, that you go through every day. Um, you got to keep consistent, you know, pick that message, stick with it. Um, and then two, you know, you have to matter. Um, especially today, people tend to really sniff it out when it's bullshit. You know, you can, you can certainly trick a group of people for a certain amount of time. You know, you can convince people that you're something that you're not. Um, but eventually that runs out, you know? And so if you're looking to, if you're looking to create a lasting brand or something that's going to be impactful for more than a finite amount of time, you have to actually back it up. So if you're going to make the case that, you know, we make the best beer in the world and, um, you know, you're going to charge 40 bucks a case for that beer. There's only so many people that are going to buy it before they take a sip and then just never buy it again. You know, mm -hmm. cause that's where, that's where, um, that's where companies end up making their money is repeat customers. You know, you got it. You got to be able to back it up. So that's, that's kind of two, um, you know, and then three, you have to make that emotional connection. Uh, like I was saying about on it, once we had, once we had our message and once we started pushing that message, um, and the emotional connection was with, with our customers who actually were feeling, you know, the effects of the products, seeing, seeing the difference it was making in their lives. Then we became a part of that experience and that emotional tie, that connection to, uh, you know, feeling better about themselves. What are some of the biggest branding mistakes you've witnessed? Man, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> branding mistake. Um, well, I would say that people wrapping up or, or confusing the idea of what branding is, um, you tend to see, so a lot of people will make a piece of advertising or a piece of marketing and they will say, this is a branding thing because there's no direct response component to it. So if you make a, you know, uh, let's, let's pretend it's the Gillette ad that, you know, came out a few months ago. Yeah. So that ad isn't necessarily talking about go to the store and go buy razors. That ad is making a statement. That ad is making a brand position. It's planting a flag into the ground saying, this is who we are. Are you, yeah, are you referring to the Gillette ad with the, like all the men in their dog? Yeah. 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 The toxic masculinity ad. Yes. Yes. So, so they, pr they plant that flag as here's who we are and there's no direct response component to that. They don't go, go to your Walgreens this weekend and buy a package of let, you know, they don't, they don't compel you to go buy anything. Um, but that ad is trying to tell you something about the brand and what they're trying to convey as a company. Um, then there's the ad that goes, you know, you'll, you'll the other opposite side of the spectrum, you'd be watching late night TV and, something will come on for like the amazing wonder hose and it, you know, winds up and uh, only weighs 20 ounces and you can put it in your back pocket and then it, you know, sprays a 300 PSI, whatever the hell it is. Call now, buy one, get one free, all that bullshit. That's a direct response app. That thing says, all right, we're going to spend a hundred dollars on this ad and we're going to make $200 on this ad. The branding campaign is we're going to spend a uh, million dollars building an ad. Then we're going to spend another million dollars buying um, space for this ad and what is the response? Um, hopefully 
people change their opinion about Gillette. People think differently about Gillette. Like maybe maybe something that's that impactful, that's that big, has a bottom line impact. I'm sure Gillette, maybe a terrible example, I'm sure Gillette had an impact because that ad was so controversial. Um, but the difference between those two is one of them is directly tied to an ROI. One of them is directly tied to click on this thing and buy this thing. The other one is more like, you know, to try and get an influence uh, over people about, about what this company is about. And so a lot of, a lot of times you'll see um, maybe some green, uh, unsophisticated or, or early people into the space trying to figure out what the difference is between the two. And, you know, I'll be the first one to say, I think brand campaigns are very, very important and very strong. However, you can't sell them as direct. You can't say, give me the opportunity to build this amazing ad for you, and it's going to sell a thousand units. It, it just doesn't work that way. You know, a brand campaign has to be a part of a bigger strategy and has to be part of a um, year long, five year long plan, whatever it is, as the message that you, you know, scream at people so that the other message, the more direct response ad that does compel you to buy, um, supports that claim. You can't really have one without the other. You shouldn't really have one without the other. And you definitely can't um, confuse the two on what they're supposed to do. And that's usually the one part that, you know, a lot of people get wrong. Yeah. And I, I think it's uh, when it, when it comes to launching a branding campaign, uh, sort of mixing the two up. I, I mean, at, at what point do you see it making sense for a business to launch a branding campaign versus like a direct advertising, you know, like buy now kind of campaign? Well, the first thing is you got to manage expectations. So if you have, if you have somebody who says, I want to do a branding campaign, then the next question is, what is it that you're trying to achieve? And, you know, if they say something like, we just want to be cool, like, okay, we're on the right track, <laughs> you know, cause that's, that's kind of all you can expect out of this from a standpoint of what is measurable, right? Um, if they say, if they say, I want this to be a part of a bigger campaign where we sell stuff at maybe a different stage in the funnel. Okay. Now we, now we're really talking like that's, that's a smart idea. Cause like I said, I prefer not to have one without the other. Um, and so, yeah, so managing expectations up front on, on what it is you're trying to achieve. Um, and then, you know, I would steer anyone away from, from doing a brand campaign that didn't first have a very strong, um, foundation for what their brand is, um, you know, positioning statement, who they are, what they want to be, what they're trying to achieve, what their goals are, who their target market is, even if that stuff's unsophisticated and just really like, you know, testing the waters, like, here's who I think I am. Here's who I want to be. If you can at least have that figured out, then you can start to think about what your campaign should be. You know, it's really easy for anyone to buy a Facebook ad and say, click here, buy this thing and just show a picture of it. That's as easy as it gets. Um, it's also just as easy to build a brand campaign saying, just do it, you know, with no call to action, with no product and just this like ambiguous message. If you can do the two that support each other, fantastic. If you could do one that compels someone to use the other one, then you really got something good. Got it. That's a lot of great information there. Um, when it comes to social media, uh, you know, I think because it's such a new space, companies play around and they experiment a lot. Have you seen, what, what are some of the examples of, of 
Are, are there any companies that stand out to you that you've seen like, wow, they just are absolutely crushing it on social media. I love that the way that they approach this, you know, sort of new thing. And are there any companies that you have the opposite reaction for? Um, yeah, I mean, you see companies that you have the opposite reaction for all the time, people that are just doing it wrong. And yeah, there's really no reason to get into that. I think most people, whether you're, whether you're an expert or not, most people can pick out the bad ones. You know, mm -hmm. it just stuff that doesn't resonate, doesn't resonate. And you can look at, even if you can't articulate what it is that's wrong, most people can look at something and go, something's off about that, or that rubbed me the wrong way, or that's stupid or ugly or whatever. Um, the one, the one company lately that's been really, really popping up on my radar and, and, you know, kind of as the example of, um, really aspirational for me, I think, I think, you know, when we were firing on all cylinders at on it, I would say we were, we were up there with what we were doing. Oh, um, sure. but, but since then, um, I noticed this company called moment M O M E N T and they do, um, I got into like photography probably eight months ago. And so I kind of went down this path, but moment does, um, phone cases that, um, are compatible with these phone lenses. So it's like a photography company for your mobile phone because everybody's phone is really, really solid these days as far as like taking photos. Um, but one of the biggest issues between, you know, mobile phone photography and real photography is the quality of the lens and the versatile versatility of different lenses that you can attach. And so they really took like a pro level approach to um, mobile phone photography. They're like, you know, completely boring, completely, uh, super niche, or if you make it a lifestyle is appealing to everybody and um, their marketing and their branding and their social media is point like everything they do that I'm you know a casual fan of looking looking in from the outside I'm super jealous because I don't have the team to do it um, you know we're still we're still building our company uh, but it's as far as what's on my radar right now those guys are crushing it that's awesome I have to check them out and uh, you know look through it look at it through the lens of what you've been telling me about so yeah far. for sure that's really cool um, I'm curious are there any like books materials resources you go to 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 learn uh like advertising marketing any of that kind of stuff any any favorites for you um let's see yeah i've got i've got a, uh, a dozen or so books that are kind of my go-to um not a ton specific around advertising or marketing um the first one like ogilvy on advertising was a good one just to get me in the mindset of starting my own company um there's a book called the 80, 20 principle. Um, that's just fantastic. Um, that same guy name is escaping me. A really famous guy wrote kind of the Bible on Google AdWords. Um, and then he's also written a Facebook ads book. I have all three of those. Those are all fantastic. The idea of 80, 20 is like, a wormhole that you can get into and, and really never jump out of super, super fascinating. Like everything is, uh, the 80, 20 rule. You have to, you, you have to go like any quick example of how you might use that in your own life or your business. Everything. Yeah. I mean, your entire, your entire life, uh, every, on the macro level, like, you know, 80% of your happiness is going to come from 20% of the things that you do. Um, 20% of your customers are going to give you 80% of your problems. 
you know, it's just, it, it literally, it, maybe it's not a hundred percent every single time, but usually it's 78 or, you know, 79 or 83 or something like generally yeah. follows that, that principle and everything that you do. Um, and the really, really fascinating part about that book is, uh, it's actually fractal. So if you look into, so one of the examples I just said, so 80% of your, um, problems come from 20% of your customers. So if you, if you took that 20% of your customers and then took a sample of them, 80% of that 20% are the ones giving you the most problem. And then if you looked at that group, 80% of those people are the ones giving you problems. So you could, it can turn into a really, really powerful equation. Um, and the more that you're aware of it, the more that you're kind of always judging things in your life and your business and relationships and, you know, everything. It's just, it's just all this, how much can I spend on the part that matters and how much of the part that doesn't matter is giving me grief. Got it. Any other uh, uh, books that you reference often or go-tos? Yeah. I mean, those, those are the first two I think of as far as marketing. Oh, tipping points really good. Um, Malcolm Gladwell. Yep. Yep. Tipping point. Um, let's see. Leaders eat last was a fantastic book. Um, uh, my favorite of all time is think and grow rich. I think that that's probably the most impactful book I've ever had in my life. And it used to be uh, rich dad, poor dad, but they're both, they're both right up there. Those are the first two books I recommend to anybody. I'm, I'm totally with you on think and grow rich. That was like, you know, when I, when I first dropped out of college, that was the first book that I actually got my hands on that, you know, sort of got me thinking more entrepreneurially. When, yep. when did that book make it into your hands? Maybe like three years ago. Um, you know, I read, I think I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad about 10 years ago. And then that was a game changer for me because it just, it, it was the first time that I really felt that it made sense, that the whole like game made sense. Yeah. Cause up until that point, it really was, at least in my head, how do you figure out how to get ahead? You know, what is this, what is this idea of getting ahead? Because all you do is make money, spend the money, make more money, spend more money, make more money, spend more money. And this, you know, it had never been articulated to me before. And then I read that book and it's really dumbed down for the average, you know, human being, which was nice for me because I didn't finish college. Um, but, <laughs> but hearing, hearing it like put, you know, simply that, you know, he calls it the rat race, right? You just stuck in this rat race and you're stuck in this, this maze of you make money, you spend money. Then, then you get to the point where, well, now that I'm this at this income level, now I spend that money on this and you never really get ahead. And then just, and just thinking about the way that the game is supposed to be played and the way that, you know, you can actually get ahead on things was a real big you know, eye opener for me. And also at the same time, a big uh, frustrating thing for me because, well, shit, why aren't we teaching that in school? You know, if mm -hmm. we have this weird stigma with money and this weird stigma with, you know, can't buy you happiness, root of all evil, blah, 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 to where you walk out of school with this, this terrible idea that rich people are terrible and money is the ultimate worst thing in the world. And it's actually pretty much the opposite, you know, like you actually can have a very, very comfortable, more comfortable life if you got a couple of bucks in your pocket. And 
the good that you can do in life with a couple of bucks in your pocket with the right yeah. kind of, um, you know, the right kind of motivations is, is there's nothing evil about that, you know? And so just kind of working, um, to do that kind of stuff and to working towards, you know, um, making it apply to your life in the most effective way that that was, that was brand new to me. The concept was brand new and it was really refreshing and resonated. And, you know, I, I think that was the first book that really like pushed me into that, that world. And now I've just been uh, voracious ever since just reading, reading, reading as much as I can sort of in that um, idea. Got it. Well, I love that, man. You know, I love how you've taken the approach of sort of just diving in and, and teaching yourself as you continue to move through your career. I think that's something that a lot of people uh, are going to have to figure out for themselves because the other problem with college is that, you know, sort of once you get out, it's like, what do I do now? Agreed. Uh, and if you didn't really get all the information, you know, I think the idea is you're supposed to get all the information in school that's supposed to like last for your career. It's like impossible, but um, yeah. so you have to adapt the attitude of, of learning and you know, taking on new challenges, getting out of your comfort zone. I think you've uh, embodied that to the fullest. So I love it, man. Thanks, man. I try to. I'm not. I'm not the best at it, but it's definitely something I'm trying to do. So, so what are you trying to? What's your goal for maybe like this year? What are you trying to accomplish with Heart of the Sun? I'd love to grow grow the brand. Um, you know, we've got. I'd say we're we're still a boutique um, agency at this point. Got four full timers, five full timers four or five contractors, you know, a network of probably 10 or 15 more people, depending on what the project is. Um, I would love to be at a point where I've got more specialists on staff. You know, I'd, I'd love to get more into the creative side again. Um, you know, I think when you're starting out a company like this, most people that are going to jump onto a new um, brand or a new agency they're going to be looking for, okay, here's, here's what I want. I want the results. Show me, you know, what can you turn $1 into? Can you turn $1 into $5, $10? And you know, that's great. That's, it's a huge part of what we do. We do, you know, performance based marketing to show you that we have strategic planning that turns into execution, which turns into results. Um, you know, that's kind of the core fundamental. But what I'd love to get back to is a little bit more of a creative approach to, you know, brand building. And, um, you know, that takes a little bit of time to develop some rapport with, with your own company and your brand. And you can't, my partner always says you can't really speed up time. You know, that's the one, um, that's the one variable that you can't, you can't do. And so when you start from scratch, you know, you have uh, the few things that you can point to in your career. And then a couple years later, you've got 10 or so things that you can point to. And then a couple years later, you got 20 things and 50 things or whatever it is. And now you got all this experience. You can say, here's what we do. Um, but, you know, starting a new company, you have to, you have to do it one at a time. And so hopefully, hopefully we can start to continue or we can continue with our, our um, uh, uh, momentum that we've kind of built in the last two and a half years or so and, and keep going with bigger and bigger brands and start to get more and more interesting projects and more creative projects and start to make more and more of an impact. Love it, man. Well, I truly wish you the best of luck in, in accomplishing those goals. I think, uh, you know, with your background, I, I, I have a lot of faith in, in your ability to get it done. So um, Thanks. 
I, I know you're a busy guy, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. But um, before we wrap up, I'm curious, are there any like asks or requests, anything you'd like to leave with the audience? Any final words? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're interested in doing anything cool, um, drop us a line, heartofthesun.co. Um, heart of the sun, like the Pink Floyd song, set the controls for the heart of the sun. Is that where the name came from? Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Cool. Well, Mike, this has been awesome. I learned a lot and I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It was a good time. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.